It's been about 50 minutes since the game ended, or in other words, 57 minutes since Michigan scored. Get the brooms out. That's a regular season sweep. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions apply, and if you're in the Ann Arbor area, you might be finding a men's basketball coach listing here in the very near future. I hope not. God, Juwan might be my favorite Michigan coach of all time. Great Last seven minutes there over there, Jawan. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, you already know this is going to be a hootenanny here on Locked on Spartans after the 73-63 Michigan State win to complete the sweep over a Wolverine team that's so bad that uh, right now it says that there's 10 people watching live on YouTube. So bad that I bet us 10 could band together to beat the Wolverines by about double digits. Woo-hoo-wee! That's, uh, that's quite the unit that Juwan has built over there in Ann Arbor. But, hey, we're going to have a good time. Before we get into all that, please rate, review, subscribe to this here podcast, this YouTube channel. Also, comment below. If you have any questions, any comments, we'll be going through them at the end of the show here. And off we go. Hey, let's get into it. We're going to break this up into three categories here. The Irrational the rational but positive and then the rational and maybe glass half empty to end the show and then sure we'll get to Gus Johnson and whatever that was to start the second half I can't believe they didn't throw a TVMA rating on that one with Sharon Moore I, oh my god I just felt my skin crawl just thinking about that again that was uh, bizarre but hey this is how we're going to structure the show the first irrational this is just like diehard Michigan State fan talking and again I don't care how awful Michigan is It's always nice to beat them. And, hey, they were a little better since last time that we played them. They got to play their part-time basketball player, Doug McDaniel, in the game a little bit. So it's always nice to beat the team in blue and yellow. And I'm not going to go overboard and rail on them too much because it's it's like kicking a three-legged puppy. What joy can we really take in that in the end? But above everything, I just thought it was very cool, actually, for the players of Michigan, not just Michigan State. Michigan State players get this all the time. But cool for Michigan players to be able to compete in front of like a neutral crowd, tournament-style setting there at Chrysler. I thought that was pretty neat. You could hear it through the television. You could see it on everyone's tweets. It was a Michigan State crowd. Sometimes the 16 vocal people in the maze rage got fired up, but for the most part, that's what you get at the tournament. Half the crowd for one team, half the crowd for the other team. So for a Michigan team that's not going to come within 10 games of making the NIT, like how cool of a moment was that for them to be able to experience what a tournament is actually like? So I, it's it's not even just, hey, I'm going to get on here and just clown around and joke. Like No, that's, that's a really cool moment for those Michigan players to have. Oh, man, this was a nice one. I got to say, I was fired up at the end of that game because of the crowd, too. Malik Hall with the dunk, the steals, the pick sixes at the end of the game. The crowd that was a Michigan State crowd, you could feel feel it through the television. If you were at the game, first of all, shout out to you. Second of all, it had to have been tenfold what we were feeling in our couches. Over in East Lansing, Metro Detroit, wherever you watched this one. Because, look, I... Michigan State, I, they probably should have, could have won this game by more. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show here. But 
Yeah, with the tide turning as fast as it did, you get the momentum of the crowd. It really reminded me of that game back uh, against Northwestern over in Rosemont, I believe the game was, when Michigan State was down like 20-something against Northwestern. That crowd, don't tell me, didn't make an impact in this game. Now, all right, now that we've got through all that, talking about the crowd, throwing a little barb at Michigan here, um, let's get into rational talk, right? Let's, let's actually break this game down. Let's be adults about this. Um, what a closing stretch by Michigan State. The last seven minutes of that game, Michigan scored as many points and as many field goals as you guys did watching and listening to this. A big ol' zero. And after the game, before we hopped on started recording, I went right back to the seven-minute mark of that game to see how on earth it was done. How did Michigan miss six of their shots and also commit six turnovers down the stretch? Who was the one player that really bit the floor and got it done when it counted? Hey, I got a boring answer for you, actually. It was it was truly a team effort to come together, gel that hard on defense. Tyson Walker, of course, had his moments with the quick karate hands that he always does. We'll talk more about Tyson here in a little bit. Jaden Akins had some really nice moments defensively. A.J. Hogard, of course. But you know who I was actually impressed with because this is not a guy that we remark on for his defense quite often. And really... This is going to come like more towards the end of the show when we're talking about things to maybe be worried about, but uh, the center position is rarely talked about glowingly. I have to say, though, you go back, watch those last seven minutes, specifically the seven-minute mark to the four-ish minute mark when Terrace Reed was still in the game. Carson Cooper did himself a nice, nice job. Again, has never been mistaken for a defensive stalwart, but you know what? He did really good off-ball. And I made it a point to, to watch him. What is he doing when the ball isn't even around him? He was sealing off Terrace Reed excellently down the stretch there in the last three minutes of Terrace Reed being on the court because up until that point, Terrace Reed was just a bull in a china shop getting his way, like just scoring two points seemingly whenever he touched the ball. Carson Cooper wasn't even letting the inlet pass get to Terrace Reed. So, hey, we're going to talk about the centers. It wasn't great offensively. We've talked about them all year, but credit where credit is due, down the stretch, yes, it wasn't the only thing Michigan State had going for them late defensively, but we have to throw a bone at our dog, Carson Cooper, at the end of that game for that defensive performance. Now, what else happened? Because uh, offensively, yeah, you made it count. Now, it wasn't a shining night for everyone. But hey, Tyson Walker made sure that he was going to bounce back from his first single-digit game and God, who knows how long, 30-something games. He only scored six points last outing. How about 19 points for you? Uh, 10 points to start the game in the first half. So he played delightful. And it's not just the 19 points. Again, we talked about his defense, three steals. And there are, God, there were so many balls he just jarred loose. He was toying toying with, I think it was Burnett down the stretch there, or was it McDaniel where he just boop, poked the ball out twice, but Michigan still maintained possession. Regardless, I'm going to miss Tyson Walker, guys, and it's just nice to actually talk about Tyson Walker after a great game that he's had, because typically this season, when Tyson has a really, really, really good game, no one else follows his lead and has a good game, but dang it all, we were able to celebrate Tyson Walker adequately here, 19 points. Oh, just got it done. I'm really going to miss him, and not just for the offense, not just for the, the quick twitch that he has inside the lane. Some of these layups start with three guys in the lane, and then he'll just walk through as if there's velvet rope and a red carpet set up for him. I'm going to miss the most about Tyson Walker is his defense. Th those are 
the quickest hands you have seen since Mr. Miyagi was chopping it up on cinema. So, yeah, oh God, Tyson Walker, I know you're listening. We love you here in East Lansing. So, uh, and really thank the rest of the team, well, some guys of the team, for actually putting it together so we can talk about you after a win. One of those other guys is, hey, you got that right, Buster. It's locked on Spartan, so you know where this is going next. We're talking about Malik Hall, the guy that we've been shining up all season, basically. Oh, my goodness, 18 points for Malik Hall. Slammed the door late. He had that emphatic dunk to put the exclamation point on the game. But I have to say, to me, it wasn't even the dunk that was the play of the game. It was Aikens is on the line. One and one. He clanks the first free throw. And what happens? Malik Hall, he puts on his cape. He flies to the rescue, gets the offensive rebound. He's on the line for two foul shots, cashes them both. Michigan State now up six, I believe, after that sequence. So really stretched the game out of reach there. So yes, Malik Hall, I get it, guys. By now, if you are a Malik Hall hater, like you just straight up hate the kid himself at this point. This isn't even like that you're just, oh, I just don't like the way he plays. I get that some people cried about the zero ball at Northwestern, and of course we did in the moment, but even after the Penn State game, there are still a few people out there being like, oh, but he had zero points, rebounds, assist against Northwestern. Eh. Okay, um, 18 points. Okay, that's his 12th game since the Northwestern game, and that is his eighth, po- eighth time since the Northwestern game, scoring above his season average of 12.5 points. The guy's balling. The guy has urgency. The guy turned it on early in the game because, let's be honest, Michigan really came out the gate swinging like they did at Breslin Center, too. Like, they, whew, they got out to a hot start, but Malik Hall, he was the fireman there. He had eight points in the first half. Just finding that mid-range jumper, and my God, there's nothing in this life I hate more than a mid-range jumper. But wow, is Malik Hall really just changing my mind on that? So Malik Hall changing people's minds, not just on him, but how the sport of basketball is actually played. So God bless you, Malik Hall. We we love you like a family member over here at Locked on Spartans. We're going to talk more about this game, obviously, and keep on commenting, guys. Any questions, any comments, we're going to get into it all here later this show. But first, I need to talk your ear off about linked in jobs. When you are hiring for your small business, you want a quality professional that you are ready to hire for that right role. That's why you have to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. That's right, Ward Manual. Listen up. LinkedIn Jobs, they're going to help you plug in that hole. Juwan's going to leave you here in a little bit. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn is a vast network of more than a billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy that, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So what are you waiting for out there? Join the 2.5 million small businesses that use LinkedIn to hire. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college as linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions that's right they apply and let's get back into the mix here talking about this great game a great sweep over michigan i know it's terrible but once again shout out to the crowd the michigan state crowd at chrysler making chrysler as loud at is it as it has been the entire season good for them and there is a michigan fan that threw out oh it was the same with the spartan stadium game this year <laughs> actually not really because even the football team over here in east lansing we beat the directional schools whenever they walk in here our crowd would cheer for that 
I don't know, maybe the Chrysler crowd got a little raucous against Long Beach State or McNeese State when it got a little tight there at the end, but actually I'm not even sure about that. It wasn't even a close game against Long Beach State. So no, that was probably truly the loudest it has been at Chrysler so far this season. Now let's keep on shining the Spartans' shoes over here. We talked about the big guys, right? Tyson Walker, Malik Hall. We got to talk about, and this is going to transition into like our rational but like kind of like glass half empty ish portion of this show which is weird for a rivalry win show but hey it's crunch time we have to have serious dialogue here cohen carr cohen carr and i'm going to be saying that name a lot more because i tweeted this out after one of his two dunks is that uh i'm going to change one of my son's name to cohen and then the other son's name to carr that's how much i love watching this man this freak of an athlete play basketball Eight points. All right, this was the most productive game that he has had in Big Ten play, maybe even in his career so far. I don't know. The, the Baylor game, you might have an argument there. But nevertheless, great game for Cohen Carr. Eight points all in the first half. Two steals, jumping, passing lanes on defense. And I know that Michigan's just a sloppy team because I, look who's coaching them. Um, but still, as a freshman, to have that intuition to jump the passing lanes twice like he did, superb work, young man. Now, he didn't have any rebounds in this game, but hey, we've said this. He's not like a high-rebound guy by the numbers, but if you just watch the game, he just mucks up the, the glass offensively, defensively. He changes the game even if he's not coming down with the ball. He's just such an athlete and can just sky above the rim where he's a problem for other teams. Okay, now that takes care of, like, the three guys that we really wanted to hone in on. You know, guys that we were fired up about. Tyson Walker, Malik Hall, Cohen Carr in the first half. Now let's talk about this game. We're still going to, of course, break this down rationally. And uh, I'm sorry to take it down this alley, guys. We're going to, you know, get more joyous here later on. But we have to talk about maybe some things that didn't necessarily sit well with us. And no, it's not going to ruin our night or anything. Or it's not going to be this big referendum. At least not right now. Maybe in five minutes it will be when we come to a conclusion. But one thing, one bone to pick. Hey, hold on. Who do we just talk about? That I'm lost in my notes here. Cohen Carr, that's right. Eight points in the first half. Two steals. And then, hold on, let me click on a second half box score right now. Zero minutes. That is inexcusable for Cohen Carr ever, kind of, to play zero minutes in a second half. Especially after the best half of his career. Now, I know that this is stupid to do. You know, just rail on Tom Izzo, the Hall of Fame head coach, after a double-digit road win. But why, 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 why didn't Cohen Carr ever see the court in the second half? Now, luckily, it didn't ultimately matter. Michigan State closed the door late in the game. But this is uh, kind of the opposite of what we talked about with Cohen Carr. I believe it was the Maryland game where he just played like two minutes off the top. And we hopped on here and said... No, that actually makes sense. That's probably the kind of game where Cohen Carr should be limited to just two minutes. They're really good at stopping the fast break those Terrapins are. They really just build a wall at the half court. Once their shot goes up, they don't allow any transition points. So not the game for Cohen Carr, a guy that is in the half court offense, kind of deficient right now in his career. For this game, though, against this Michigan team that just gives the ball up all willy-nilly for a Michigan State team that scored 19 fast break points in this game, this is precisely the game Cohen Carr should be playing in here in the second half. Anyway, again, 
It's a win. It ultimately didn't matter, but uh, reward the guy, perhaps, for playing as poised and as great and productive and as highlight-worthy as he did in the first half. And you could say the same with Xavier Booker, uh, another game where he just has, uh, let's see, uh, I'm, I'm actually lost in my notes here, three minutes in the first half. And he actually, in that three minutes, was paired with Jackson Kohler, which when they both took the court at the same time, I'm thinking, what the hell is this? And then after the three minutes is over, I'm thinking, that worked. <laughs> that, that actually looked cohesive and harmonious, dare I say. So we didn't see it at all the rest of the game. I don't know, maybe Izzo was just in the lab cooking something that maybe he can bring out later in the season. But at this point, with the whole Xavier Booker minutes drama, we know better than to believe any of that. Another thing to rationally talk about here. Um, and look... <laughs> This this might oddly like make the win even sweeter. The fact that you won by double digits because guys, uh, honestly, I thought Michigan State all in all kind of played a C minus game. All right, I, I, we're gonna try to keep it upbeat here still. But if you look at that game objectively, Michigan State didn't like play good. <laughs> they didn't play great. Certainly, they played like just okay. Uh, you got. Three guys that contributed heavily on offense. Two of them did it the whole game. Cohen Carr just did it for one half. But you did not get anything from A.J. Hogard, who was outplayed by the part-time guard on the other team and their other guard, who has a peg leg for a leg. So, uh, but it, again, didn't matter. Now, again, we're not just box score watching here. Yes, A.J. did finish with six points. Okay, and some of that does have to do with him only playing four minutes in the first half. But also, I know that they're ticky-tack, but those were actual fouls in the first half. I don't think you got screwed by the refs. You have to play smarter than that. Keep the hands down, especially if you already just got your first foul before the under-16 timeout. And then the second half, uh, pick and choose from the free throws or what have you. But it, nevertheless, it, it didn't break the back of Michigan State. Still, not a sterling performance from A.J. Hogard. And also, too, Jaden Akins. Um... God, just right after that great Penn State game. Really a great stretch of games here, too. He lit up uh, Illinois in the first half as well. But 3 of 10 shooting, just 1 of 4 from 3-point land. Just did not have it offensively. Defensively, though, kind of like we talked about at the start of the show here, the last seven minutes, everyone had something to do with that last seven minutes of scoreless basketball for Michigan. Jaden Akins on the game, three steals. So... At times, you know, especially the last two games, he's so much fun to watch from beyond the perimeter and just splashing threes that you kind of forget that, oh, yeah, that's right. He's also a plus defender, too. So, Jaden Aikens got it done on one end of the court, not so much on the other end of the court. So, but it, it's, it, isn't it, it, it depends what kind of a mood you're in right now because you can look at that game, kind of like we did after the Penn State game. We had a very similar conversation where you see hmm, okay, that's two players that kind of had a really off game, but okay, you still won by 10. I mean, granted, Penn State isn't a great team, and Michigan is probably the furthest thing from a great team, you could say. But there's something to be said about road wins when two of your star players go away that, hey, two other stars picked you up. So I guess we could worry. Or, or if you really want to have a fun Saturday night right now, you really want to be in a good mood. Just think how good it's going to look when both of them are 
are also contributing. All four of the core four, or hey, even just three of the four here. We're going to talk a little more about some real talk. We're going to talk about the centers here, and then we're going to you know, talk about Gus Johnson. We're going to read your comments here in a little bit. But first, you need to talk your ear off about FanDuel. And I don't mean to brag, but as someone, someone on this podcast cashed a nice four-leg parlay here on this beautiful Saturday. And i got to say, it's it's been about time. It's been about time. But hey... You know what, FanDuel, I'm sorry I took some money from you today. And I did it with America's number one sports book. Of course, we're talking about FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That is $150 if your bet wins for new customers. And for the NBA, not just the All-Star game, the All-Star weekend festivities, but hey, during the regular season, you can bet on quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. And there always seems to be specials going on at FanDuel. FanDuel, like when I logged my four-game parlay today, hey, they had a nice little 25% parlay boost for college basketball on this Saturday. So, no, it wasn't just the nice odds that I got. We maxed that out. Guys, I don't want to flex here, but that was a $5 bet to win $54. I'm the richest person I know all of a sudden. That's right. I got Matt Ishbia money over here, courtesy of FanDuel. So, woo, we're feeling ourselves today. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. It's FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Hope no one took that seriously when I'm flexing my pathetically small bets that I make. I don't actually think I'm the richest person I know. Anyway, let's keep on getting into the mix here. Uh, If they lost the game, this is what we were going to start the show on, the center position. But they won the game. So we actually talked about, like, the one nice thing you could say about the center position here, and that was that Carson Cooper down the stretch on defense really did a great job sealing off Terrace Reed, just not allowing any passes to even get to him when the game was still close. So, with that said, I did a little exercise today just from my recliner as I'm just holding my sleeping child. No, this wasn't, I didn't have a giant graph in front of me. I just had my iPhone and my notes app open. And I decided to watch and count every single time a center on scholarships, W. Jackson Kohler, Carson Cooper, Matty Sissoko, had a post-up. And I'm not talking about transition to catch the ball or quick offensive rebound put back, okay? I'm talking about methodical catch the ball. Okay, I'm going to do some moves here. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do a hook shot, and hopefully I'm going to hit the rim here. They don't make them. Guys, uh, I might have to rewatch the whole game. I counted four post-ups. Two of them ended in turnovers. One of them got pinned by the rim, the underside of the rim, and the other one hit the backboard and (laughs) didn't even come close to hitting the rim. When I get on here, or when I'm on Twitter just having my meltdowns like I do sometimes, when we get on here and say that any post-up should be an auto bench as if it's a bad turnover or a missed box out, it should get you to the bench immediately just for even attempting a post-up, I'm not doing a bit. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be mean to these hardworking kids. From a rational, logical standpoint, very rarely when they get the ball on the block and they start to dribble and think that all of a sudden they're Joel Embiid, does it turn out well? It is it is drastically bad how it has gotten on offense. And guys, I didn't even count the time where, God bless him, hey, I still think he's got a lot of career left. It was a really bad start to the year for Jackson Kohler, okay? He missed the first half of the season with a broken foot, didn't get to play against the Mickey Mouse teams and work his way up into improvement and development. Um, anyway, now that I've laid all that out, 
those four post moves like didn't even count the time where in transition he thought he was uh, Miles Bridges out of nowhere and tried to put the Michigan defender in a sarcophagus with a tomahawk dunk that did just not work. And I also didn't count the time where Carson Cooper all alone got blocked from behind on that dunk, um, which really uh, kind of swung the game in the first half. Michigan State was pulling away there up nine and then just like that, because the six foot eleven guy isn't explosive enough to dunk the ball, <laughs> it was all Michigan momentum the rest of the way there. So, hey, we feel good about this three game win streak, right, guys? Like I'm having a great time. We beat Michigan for God's sakes in their own barn with a Michigan State crowd. How could it get any better? But as we are over the hump of the midway point of February, and you could smell Selection Sunday ahead, you could smell the tournament coming to you. Uh, that is a glaring concern because it's not just like oh you know, it's, yeah it's it's not ideal oh it's not great no, it's 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 pr- it's terrible guys um that makes that does not bring me any joy to say I do not like railing so hard on these kids because by and large they're all great kids I mean heck, we got Carson Cooper on this show he is a delightful young man but I it is incredibly uncomfortable. Because on this show, we got to break down what we're actually seeing here. And, hey, in the midst of this win streak, okay, are we feeling really good about where things are going? Yeah, you beat up on a bad Penn State team. You beat up on an awful Michigan team. You won against Illinois, but you did it at home. What are the good things that you're seeing in the last three games that could build a tournament stretch? You're seeing it. Malik Hall's coming to life. Tyson Walker, more times than not, great player. Cohen Carr played like a sophomore today in the first half, not just a freshman. But, man, what is giving you pause here? It's that just the, it it is a glaring, glaring, glaring hole that I don't I don't even know how it can be possible to win in March consistently with having that as the center position again it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, almost, almost, almost as uncomfortable as uh, whatever Gus Johnson was doing with Sharon Moore, which I gotta say I can't believe Gus Johnson was even able to talk with. Oh, hold, that's right, family show. Um. You know what's great, it's awesome, is Jaden Akins, uh, left-handed shooter. Uh, he he hits the deck hard, el- elbow first. His tibia, no, tibia, tibia, is it? No, ulnar, whatever. I'm a podcaster. I'm not a doctor. His arm bone smacks the hardwood as hard as humanly possible. He is writhing in pain, grabbing his arm, and instead of paying any attention or giving any focus to it, it is just... Guys just cackling like hyenas in the chuckle hut over there with Sharon Moore because because he said that they'll beat Ohio State in November. Like I, I get what Fox is doing. I, they're not stupid. I know that the only way to attract any Michigan eyeball is to just throw a football in front of them because Lord knows the only people that actually still care about the basketball team were the 18 of them in Chrysler Arena. I get it. Like you, you have to do something to attract those moths to some light over here. And hey, let's, I don't know. Just uh, screw it. Let's throw football on in front of them. But whoa, man! Look, I, I know Gus Johnson is a fanboy. It'd be like having me on the call during that game, doing play-by-play and talking with Jonathan Smith at halftime. But very bizarre, and to completely neglect the game going on in front of you—that was. Uh, uh, Unprofessional, I guess, is just one word, but all outright strange. And I know that this is just coming off as like, oh, you're just a salty Sparty. Like, no, I'm just someone that likes to just watch basketball games and get informed about what I'm seeing on my screen, not, hey, Sharon. <laughs> How the last few months been? <laughs> you looking like a head coach already? 
like, yeah, is is patching up a coaching staff that probably is comparable to the one that you'd find at Ann Arbor Pioneer. Uh, that's how dire things are going over there in the coaching staff creation. Um, but anyway, just I couldn't listen to the Gus Johnson thing and not say anything about that. That was. Um, if they recorded that that dialogue uh, in the way he was talking with Sharon Moore, and if Blockbuster or Family Video still existed, you, you would have to go to the back room to to get your copy of whatever that was uh, on Saturday night. Hey, you know, Saturday night, feeling frisky. Uh, all right, guys, you guys are all truly the best. Uh, let's just go ahead read the comments. Spartanag ninety nine. We love Jawan Howard in all caps. Love that. Uh, yeah, Matt Sheen, the biologist, here for it. I, I, I'm going to go upstairs and just read a skeleton chart here <laughs> in, a, in a little bit. Um, but, man, oh, man, this was nice. Yeah, Brant says, I had to mute the TV when Gus was interviewing more. It was pretty bad. D. Gill writes in, biggest complaint is mid-performance from the point guards tonight. Would have loved fears to be healthy right now. No kidding. Praying for a speedy recovery. Yeah, I again, I, I know that like sometimes like it seems like, oh, like we just gave Tyson Walker a pass for, you know, kind of not playing well against Penn State. Why are we a little harder on A.J. Hogard? That's that's just being point guard at Michigan State. I'm sorry to just chalk it up to that, but when the other point guards are, again, a, a guy that looks like he's on a peg leg in Jalen Llewellyn, he cannot even just play a full game physically, and then the other guy is a part-time player who's a sophomore in Doug McDaniel, and you're kind of getting outplayed by both of them, and you're the fifth-year senior, I'm sorry. We're going to be a little nitpicky there. Uh, am I calling A.J. Hogard a complete bum and that the rest of the season is going to be a waste for him? No. But really discouraging performance tonight. He could bounce back. It's fine. And no, no shortage to do so against Iowa, who, by the way, you will be about 10-point favorites. And then later on, Ohio State, both games at home. That Ohio State game, the computers have you as nine-point favorites in that one. So two very gettable games for Michigan State, who a lot of ter- uh, a lot of bracketologies have them on the eight line, some the nine line. I mean, I've even seen some on the seven line. But let's go to BartTorvik.com. And let's say that you do win the next two games like you're supposed to. You lose that Purdue game like you're supposed to. And then you win the last two games, home against Northwestern and at Indiana. You do a conference sim, uh, sorry, a conference tournament sim where you beat Michigan in round one and then you lose to Maryland in round two, which I don't even think is going to happen because Michigan State right now has the double bye. But for sake of conversation, let's say that's what you got. Hey, guys. Bart Torvik says you could work your way up into a five seed right now. So as things stand, I know that this game probably doesn't do much. It it probably did as much for Michigan State as a win over Deckerville High School would have tonight. Like there's no juice with a Michigan win, but string together like the Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State games, those four bad teams can slide you up, maybe even into one spot. But hey. If you keep on doing the work, if Maryland stays quad one, which we'll talk to what teams to root for in the next episode here, you can work your way up into either. It says a high five seed. I'm a little reluctant to believe that, but I could see this team actually when it's all said and done, maybe even working their way up onto a six seed line. So that's what we got here. That's the bracketology talk to end this one. Let's all enjoy the rest of our Saturday nights. This was fun. That was a lot of fun. Please don't fire Jawan Howard. Ward Manuel, if you're out there, it's like, what else are you doing? You got nothing. You, you you don't do anything else. Of course you're listening to this show right now. Please keep Juwan Howard. Please. We love him over here in East Lansing. God, we love him. And I love you guys. You guys are all truly the best. Truly, truly mean that. Hey, we will be back on Monday. Until then, go green.